Today on the Pinchy Gringo Podcast, Dan and I discuss Canadian politics, the World Series, and of course, our favorite topic, beer. All on today's show. Pinche Gringo, Mexico is laughing thanks to you. Hey everybody, What's welcome up? to the Pinch of Gringo Podcast. What's welcome going everybody. on, Julian? Everything's good. How about you, Dan? I'm good. I'm good. I'm Happy good. Happy Friday, good. everybody. Happy Friday. What a week it's been. What a weekend. Uh, what a great thing that I get to do uh, because I live abroad and I have friends from many different countries is uh, we got to celebrate Canadian Thanksgiving on Monday and uh, it's a thing. It's really, uh, it it's is real. a thing. It is real. It was funny because we invited a couple of Americans, uh, and had a Canadian Thanksgiving over at my place on Monday. And, uh, the Americans thought it was a joke, like that it didn't exist. How did you feel about that, Canada? I mean, I wasn't really surprised knowing that most of the Americans' brains stay within their borders. Hey, but, hey, hey, hey. We're getting a little vicious here, man. Oh, is that what's happening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, taking was... shots on Americans on a gringo podcast. That was That's nice. On Canadian Thanksgiving. Canadian Thanksgiving. Be thankful we're a country. Yeah, For those of you who don't know, Canada's a country in this continent. It's the biggest one. It's uh, on the, the most northern part. Really? And we do celebrate, <laughs> we do celebrate a Thanksgiving, which is, yeah, pretty much like copyright infringement. Um, we do it a little bit earlier because our harvest, we have to basically make sure that the food is in the house before the end of October or you won't make it past the winter. Yeah, or just Canadian children say, hey, mommy and daddy, why don't we celebrate Thanksgiving? And they fix that. Isn't that really yeah. what it's like? Except we don't really have this tradition of like trampling over each other for TVs the day before. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, the difference that I learned this year uh, between Canadian Thanksgiving and American Thanksgiving is pretty much nothing. We ate pizza. Yeah, we ate pizza, <laughs> but uh, the Canadian Thanksgiving is turkey stuffing gravy. Yeah. Like, everything exactly the no same. Pilgrims. No pilgrims. No pilgrims. No, but there was NFL. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> was NFL Monday was on night. Monday Night Football. Yeah. Uh, it was really cool. I appreciated getting to uh, to celebrate that. And, you know, I think the great thing about both Thanksgivings is that you really have a chance to stop and be thankful and I was really uh, it was cool that we got to say thanks to each other for all the uh, cool things in the year and, and a lot of friendship and harmony which transcends both of them yeah yeah it was nice and had a nice little toast of champagne so it kind of is yeah ideally if I had to choose I would have Thanksgiving on a Thursday yeah instead of get Friday Monday off. night <laughs> I know no one wanted to party it was like Start after the, week the weekend Thanksgiving. Right? oh boy that's cool yeah and it was it was a pretty good weekend too we had a, a comedy show we had yeah, uh, Tom Takar uh, on board from uh, from New York right and he's from Indiana Indiana yeah I thought it was great he was funny he was yeah yeah he was uh, uh like yeah, just had a very, very, he's almost a very different person on stage than he was off stage. Uh, not very, but in, in, on stage, he's kind of a smiley, uh, cutesy guy almost. And off stage, a really, really bright guy and, uh, lots of fun to hang out with. Thanks for coming down, Tom. Yeah. If, if you're listening. If, if he's listening, Tom, <laughs> you're one of the four people that are listening to yeah. this podcast, right? Roberto, how many listeners do we have? Four? Four, four and a half, right? It's like you, Tom Takar, and, and a couple cat. of the people at the office who think they have to listen to it. Yeah, we, we didn't tell start them it playing didn't. it at the office, like, <laughs> on a loudspeaker exactly, over and over yeah. again. Yeah, and if you're listening, just why? 
Why, 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 why are you listening? <laughs> Give us Isn't a shout. Is there other things in the world to listen than just like the two of us idiots? Let us know how pathetic your life about our is life. and send yeah. us a tweet. I also went to the 30th anniversary of uh, Fishers. Ah, what's Fishers? Um, it's what's Fishers. It's a, uh, a restaurant that I, I unfortunately don't go to because I don't like seafood, as mm-hmm. you know and the world knows. Anybody in my orbit knows that I don't like seafood, right? Like I make it known. Uh, but it was really cool and I had a thought like, do you think Pinchy Gringo would ever make it 30 years? Or sell seafood? Yeah, I'd be like 74 <laughs> or something like that or no, 30 years, 34, 64, I'll, I'll be with a cane. Right in a wheelchair, be like, like Sonny, the first days of Pinchy Gringo Barbecue. <laughs> oh, man. All Question, right. is is Fishers, was that the name of a guy or is it just because it sounds like fish? I, I, you know what? I should ask them about that. All right. It was but a great knows, party. Let us know. And it was funny because we were at the party and then everybody was whispering in my ear like, hey, there's a secret. Los Angeles Azules are playing. And then as soon as they got on stage, the whole place went nuts. I'm sure. Because there's nothing Mexicans love more in life than Los Angeles Azules. They go crazy, right? It's just, it's sure, pretty yeah. nuts. And it like in second place is probably the caldo from Fisher's Delicious. That's just so good. Yeah, it was packed, but it was fun. But uh, but going back to Canada, yeah. uh, I, I only liked spending a little bit of time on Canada as as, as little as possible because uh, I'm, I'm secretly jealous and wish I was Canadian. Uh, but uh, there's an important election. We talked about the impeachment proceedings in the U.S., which is no updates on everything's fine. You know, everybody's just yelling <laughs> at each other normal. and back to forth. Like one side's <laughs> like this and the other side's like, oh, no, it's a, it's a scandal, it's a conspiracy. But uh, we do have a Canadian election coming up on Monday and what I know Julian is it's about 10 times more uh, open and cordial and talking about the issues than the American it's election that's going on. It's pretty nuts. relaxed. I mean, I don't know. I'm not there on the ground. Maybe I'd be a little bit more into it if I was living in Canada right now. But yeah, basically there's a federal election. You guys probably know Prime Minister Trudeau. He's kind of a pop star a bit around the world. Hubba hubba. And uh, <laughs> he's up for re-election. You know, his leadership is at stake. And right now he's about neck and neck with the conservative party. Uh, he's from the liberal party. And those two parties have traditionally always run in parliament, uh, run Canada, basically. It's been one of the two. Uh, but it's we are like back and forth too, right? Like yeah, a couple of years. Exactly. And they're like, like oh, the it's too liberal. Almost. We need to go more conservative. And then the conservatives take over. And it's like, oh man, it's too conservative. We need uh, better healthcare or something, right? Yeah, that's it. It kind of is a bit of a pendulum like in the States. And we do have other parties too. We're a multi-party system, kind of like in, in Great Britain. And um, some more leftist parties. We have some more populist parties that are coming out of the woodwork nowadays but overall in this election it looks like it will probably i would say probably trudeau is going to win uh there haven't really been any big wedge issues except for the fact maybe at the beginning of the campaign that it was found out that justin trudeau had dressed up as aladdin at a arabian nights party and that was like oh a bit of a sensation for a few days Black he apologized face. he apologized he should have dressed up as the genie i mean there would have been no problem if he, he would apologize that's so he wouldn't he wouldn't man. stop apologizing so that's the so election uh, is going to be on on monday um this coming monday october 21st uh, i'm sure you maybe well you probably won't know about what happens uh, unless you watch the news but um we'll yeah. talk about it next week talk right? about it next week give you a little update right now now of course the of course i mean I, this is a stupid question but the canadian prime minister is the official head of government of canada correct uh, yeah. 
Anybody in Canada? What? Let us know. Well, basically, the Queen of, the Queen of England is still Joke. the head of state as she is for like 35 uh -huh. different other countries. Yeah. Um, and so there's technically, if we want to have an election, the Queen's representative in Canada, who's called the Governor General, has to ask or he has to ask the Queen of England if Canada can have an election. She's never said no. She's never a really said no. sweet lady. But now that she's like senile and mad, I mean, she's like 99. She's still and a got half, it together. Right? She's still got it together. I mean, yeah. <laughs> like, it's pretty amazing how, I guess they just keep giving her drugs or something. I mean, sorry, Queen. You're my head of my state. You're, head of my, you're my head of state. Yeah, we'll check it out on Monday like, and then tune in next week. And if you don't have time. Fluid. Yeah, and if you don't have time. Uh, to read the to, to listen to the election, uh, we'll, we'll talk about it next week. How's that? Yeah, hit me up on my two way. Awesome. So our main story today that we're going to talk about is uh, something that everybody loves, and it's beer. I love it. Yeah, uh, you're a beer, big beer lover, Julian, aren't you? I was raised on that, Dan. Yeah. Uh, yeah, beer, beer is just a fascinating thing. I mean, something that I don't want to necessarily drink every moment of the day, but. If I could have my way, if there are no negative side effects, I'd end every day with a beer. Yeah, your mom told me that uh, she gave you beer instead of her milk when you were uh, a baby. Why would she say that? <laughs> but it's true. Well, the, uh, the beer has been a really interesting history in Mexico. As many of you know, That it's a huge tradition that there's a ton of beer, but beer has been uh, traditionally run by the major brewers, uh, and it hasn't been... Uh, for about 15 years now that we've had artisanal uh, brewers coming in and changing the beer uh, culture in this country. We're very excited about. And today we have two brewers here that have been running this charge. And we have uh, Gustavo from Cosaco and Agustin from Cypress. How are you guys doing today? Great. Great. Thanks for well, the Gustavo, please, please, let's start with you because I think you were one of the first uh, you've been brewing beer for almost 20 years, is that correct? Uh, I've been brewing for, since 1995. 1995, when so I was a brewer. 24 yeah. years, right? So when you were like three years old, you were brewing beer, no? <laughs> 20 or something. <laughs> <laughs> tell, us about, tell us about the market and what you were facing like at the beginning of the brewing. Well, uh, I, I was a home brewer for like five years. And then, I mean, my transition to being in a brewery, was really, I mean, I didn't switch uh, equipment or I didn't have like a larger equipment or larger setup. I just was uh, ring with a brand on the brand Cosaco. So, uh, yeah, basically there was nothing. So I had to bring all the stuff, all the draft towers, all the cooler, all the cooling equipment, everything for the, to provide to the, to the, to the restaurant or to the bar to sell the beer. So. Uh, I'm still doing this at the moment because um, a lot of places, uh, unlike you, unlike Pinche Gringo, they don't have the equipment to to sell draft beer. So, yeah, that was a challenge. Obviously, time has gone by, and you can get a lot of stuff that uh, on, the, on, on, on that time you couldn't. As I mean, things as simple as maybe glassware or stuff like that that was really hard to. Sure. To get along. I mean, what about the market? Because I know that when you started brewing, there there wasn't anybody else, correct? Where there were a couple of people that were brewing. Well, well who, I who mean, were the pioneers? Like, yeah, the who, pioneers who is. I mean, Casta, Casta uh, brewed in Monterrey. Uh, I mean, I used to buy Casta in Naxo. Uh, right. It was it was a small brewery. I mean, yeah, with a lot of money, 
but that, that's kind of like the, the beginning of, of the thing. And uh, uh, Santa Fe Beer Factory, which is a brew pub. Okay. Uh, so that was kind of like the first uh, uh, thing of the movement. And what we got here in Mexico City. Because I know there was a bar in Mazatlan. And uh, I mean, like a in few Condesa, examples. No? No, 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 Mazatlan, oh, Sinaloa. Mazatlan, okay. Sinaloa, like a brew pub also. Yeah, I'm Condeci, so I think that every name of a is not a place in another part of Mexico. Like, Obregón didn't exist except it's a street, right? Sorry. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, basically, I went to knock doors to uh, to offer my beer. So I took my little 11 liter kegs and just pour some beer and tell them, I'm a, I'm a artisanal brewer. Uh, would you like to sell my beer? Do you want to try it? And that was... Like, like, and what was the like, reaction from customers? Like, well, what is, what is, what was the reaction 15, 20 years ago uh, when you were presenting your well, beer? Well, I mean, 90, 90% or more was like, oh, I cannot do it. I have a, I have a contract with them, either of Modelo or Cuauhtémoc. Right. But uh, luckily for me, I, I, had to, I, I got to put my beer in, in cool places like the first Pata Negra, for example, or the first Hookah Lounge, or, I mean... Old, old bars that, I mean, some of them, they, they don't exist anymore, like the first Pata Negra. Right, and what was the reaction from uh, beer customers? Like, the people would, like, buy the beer. Was it kind of shocking or...? No, I mean, sometimes I sold, like, uh, five kegs uh, a week. I mean, so it was, it was crazy. I mean, I could have only five clients, but uh, five customers, but, uh, yeah, they, they, there was a good, like, turnaround. And uh, my beer in that time... I didn't have a fridge to put the keg inside, so I gave them like a coil cooler inside. So they put ice into the into the cooler, <laughs> and it just got it just uh, got chilled by just by the passing, right? So as I don't filter, I I I don't pasteurize, and I will never, I think. Uh, so obviously the beer was changing from week to week, and uh, on the uh, in, in our hot months like April, uh, May. Yeah, I mean, beer, I was really stressed to be going, checking the beer and checking that, I mean, the taste was okay. Right. So, yeah, it was uh, a different ballgame that, that we have now. Okay. Yeah, and uh, Cosaco Roja, well, we'll talk about that a little later, but Cosaco Roja is one of the most popular beers uh, we have at Pinche Gringo Barbecue. And another popular beer we have is uh, our Hidromiel, which is a very unique uh, honey-based beer. And uh, we're here with Agustin, who we also call Honey because of his honey beer. So how you doing, honey? <laughs> Thank you, Dan, for, for inviting us to, to chat a little over here. Of course. So, so Augustine, you're, you're kind of representing the other side because you're relatively new um, to the beer industry. How long have you been doing this for? We've, we've been doing beer for about uh, almost four years in a okay. commercial uh, state, let's say that. And, and how did you get involved in beer? Like, How did you decide to open up your own brewery? Uh, well, uh, you eventually meet a brewer or something like that, and I met Chucho when I was at college. So I was uh, kind of your same age, uh, Gustavo, when we started. And uh, the, the the question of always, hey, what what why are we doing beer? It's like, well, you like doing beer, yes, and drinking it, yes. So why we won't uh, continue doing it, you know? Right. It's kind of like everybody's dream, right, to have your own beer. Yeah. And then you it, realize it's harder than just a dream, kind of like restauranting, no? Yeah. It's easy <laughs> to make beer, but it's hard to get it right. And uh, that's the thing, you know, maybe you have to clean more than 
even brew uh, in at the brewery, mm. uh, and it's an art, like in all its extension. Let's say that from the beginning, from the um, things you have to make, make them all the grain, all the yeast and the hops, and of course the water, and after that all the process it has to get into um, until the final stage in the bottling, you know, and. Um, the fun part about everything, it's like sharing it, sharing it with people, knowing that the market is nowadays even new. You know, I can, uh, I feel very proud of knowing Gustavo for, for a while because he, he got into the market when everything was just monopolized and it was really hard to sell even beer or make beer because you couldn't find anything. Even though five years ago it was tough to find things in pieces of, of of machinery of equipment. stuff, equipment, uh, but starting 24 years or so ago, it's, it takes, a, 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 for us, uh, Gustavo is a great uh, admiration in, into the, in, inside the, uh, sure. the craft. Now, now Gustavo, you're saying, you're saying that, that it, it was really hard to find things. Like, how have you seen the beer industry evolve in your uh, 25 years of experience in brewing? How do I see it now? Yeah, like how has it changed? How has it evolved? Is it easier uh, for you to be able to operate? Are the laws changing? Well, uh, yeah, there are th- uh, things that are easier now. Uh, but I mean, the funny thing, I could get a local malt in the early 2000s because the malting, the malting companies uh, are part of the breweries. But there was this uh, Stractos y Maltas, which was part uh, independent and part Grupo Modelo. So, uh, brewers la- like myself or beer factory, we could go and buy the beer, buy the malt in, uh, in Vallejo. So, you imagine that it's, and it's local. Sometimes it was uh, imported uh, grain from the US, but malted here in, in, in Mexico. So the prices were like, uh, six pesos the kilo, and now it's 25. Why? Because it's all imported, mostly. I mean, I use uh, grain from Germany, from England, from Belgium, from blah, blah, blah. Right. And I cannot get uh, malt from my local malt, malting company because now it's owned everything by the mega, mega brewers. Like, you know, the large two groups that have been like eating all the... Right. They just like stopped making it. They stopped being semi-independent. They stop, completely yeah. I mean, they, bought, they bought out the, this guy, the Ingeniero Suervi. So they got completely... Uh, Owned by Modelo, I guess. And then they told us, no, we cannot sell any mm. mud to you. But now a lot of companies are involved in distribution. So we can buy and make a phone call and call Chihuahua or call, uh, we have four or five good distributors and we can buy ingredients from all over the world. The, the thing is, so it's like a yin yang of things right. that were kind of better earlier, but maybe it's easier now to get most of the stuff. Yeah. And the thing is not to get into the industrial thing. Like craft beer means quality and may and means uh, well done uh, work. Let's say that it's another 114 styles that maybe the the great companies just forgot to make, and another type of play you can enjoy. And that's the the, the good thing about craft beer. You can you can do almost whatever you want right. around styles and uh, and stuff. And on styles, I mean, things that you can invent yourself. What have you seen? Uh, because I know there's a lot of 
Chiveceros who are trying to get into it, and there are some who are really great, and then some who aren't so great. What is the biggest error that uh, brewers are making when they're starting their breweries? When you make beer, you have to commit to make beer. It's not a tomorrow thing going on. It's It takes time, almost maybe 20 years to develop. And uh, you really have to commit on the, on the growing and learn the process of um, how you uh, 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 manage all the yeast and all the things to get a good beer. It's not just putting all the ingredients around it. It's always learning because you make a beer and then maybe two uh, weeks later or a month later, you'll know how you got that beer. And then you have turned back on the, turn on the, on the recall what you, you made to make it perfect again and, and try again and try again and try again uh, until you get a good beer. And on the recall, is that like a log that you take you take notes of each time you make a batch? Or? Yeah, the, the thing about beer as well is it's a quantitative science, but it's a qualitative, uh, in, let's say, result. Okay. Like you make numbers and formulas mm-hmm. that you can get into it, or maybe just put things in, uh, inside, but you, you, you have to try to have the process well done, you know? And then have a qualitative result that it's mainly on the other, the, maybe the, how it, how it, how can you see it or how it tastes. It's different. Uh, the, not, the market nowadays is still growing. It's, we are very small. We're maybe on the 0.1% of all the market share around Mexican right. beer. So, but it's growing now. Yeah. yeah. See, I, I would add, uh, to Agus, uh, uh, that I think the, important, the importance of the building, of the place that you're um, brewing the, the beer, is completely uh, definite to the results. Because if you have like cracked floors or low ceilings or, uh, or just water that gets like stuck in a side, then you get bacteria and you get uh, things that will get in your beer eventually. So, yeah, the, the main... Because uh, I've been through all of that. I mean, I, I was a home brewer. And then I, 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 I brewed in really small places, uh, with, uh, where the, where the floors start to crack. So yeah, I've seen every kind of problem. And I'm, right now I'm in a, in a building that I fortunately I could buy and I've been adapting, uh, little by little. So I have good drains, I have good floors, and the results are, are like that. Yeah, I think that's something that we really appreciated about you, Gustavo, and working with you for so many years is that we would have a huge demand and we would need beer and we'd be running out of beer. And if Gustavo didn't like the quality and the taste of the beer in that keg, he would not sell it to us. He would not sell it to us. Mm-hmm. You rejected the quality. And I think that's something that some of the brewers, because of the cost and trying to make it, they'll give you whatever. And, and then Dan was calling me at 2 p.m. 2 a.m. Hey, Where's the no, beer, 2 man? p.m. Where, where, where are you? Where's the beer? You're like, sorry, I, the, the, the batch went bad. No, I mean, really I, mean, I, mean I'm, I'm driving. I'm, I'll be there in 15 minutes. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm, I'm in the adulto. I was an angry customer, like, where's the beer? Yeah, well, I haven't texted you in like two years like, before we uh, signed you up. And it was like, you know, 2017, I think that's a good thing, right? That, that we usually have that. Gustavo, what, uh, what does uh, Kosako mean? What is the meaning of it? And also, uh, what makes Kosako unique to some of the other brands? Well, the Kosako people are the, these guys that live in the, uh, the steppe, and Ukraine steppe, like uh, independent, uh, I wouldn't say warriors, but like uh, strong rose people that live out of what they uh, harvest or what they uh, shoot or what they eat or what they... I mean, they're kind of uh, self-sufficient. 
Cossack so, or the Cossack, Ukraine? Cossack. Cossack. Cossacks, okay. Right. Cossack. Now, now Russian, were well, they involved anyway in the uh, Trump impeachment thing and the, and the phone calls that he's making? Or what makes Cossack unique? Well, uh, I, I work with liquid yeast so uh, for all my brewing life. So uh, liquid yeast, I think, brings a lot of the flavors uh, exponentially out of the out of the beer. So uh, I've been working with a lot of strains, yeast strains. Uh, I am kind of a bit opposed to doing like the. I'm, 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 I like classic styles, and I brew classic styles. But uh, I like to like do something that is not necessarily uh, as popular in the market. Well, for example, Cosaco Roja is a no, it's, it's a no style of beer. It's a Belgian beer. But uh, I decided to brew that because I wanted to go out, out of the pattern of having the what the draft beer was, like La Oscura. Right. So I did a Roja. I mean, completely on style which with we a Belgian, Belgian yeast. That's one of our favorites. And I do a Negra, which is a porter, like a robust beer. So uh, and now, and now we do bottles. Now we do uh, things in cask. I mean, we, we're doing like fifteen right. products because most of the so, most of the artisanal beer is uh, are pale ales, right? Or what uh, people love to say here, paleale. Paleale. Hmm. I want a paleale, and you're like, what, what is that? Right? But the, most of the the, the 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 brewers are doing pale ales. Is that correct? There's a lot of influence from from the U.S. Obviously, so. Uh, yeah, and the American pale ale is the most uh, like uh, made beer. The most made beer, maybe yeah. not, it is not the English style, but but which is the original style, but yeah. maybe the 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 American pale ale. You can, start, pale. you can start from there. You know, when you are home brewing, uh, there are about I don't know maybe 150 uh, microbreweries in the Mexico City. Just in Mexico City. Just and registered uh, legal. Let's say that. 150. 150, yeah. Wow. So let's think that maybe there are maybe uh, another 150 that are not just registered and they are homebrewing home order. Okay. And yeah. uh, about 800 nationwide registered. So maybe the other not registered are the other 800 around. Sure. So you, you have to start small and with the simple recipes and um, which... It's it's fair, let's say that. It's cool. And then you get more into the details yeah. of the beer sure. and brewing. Now tell us about Cyprus. What what is the name Cyprus? What does uh, it mean? Cyprus it's the evergreen tree, the tree of the life and death. The one that um always is focusing in the eternal uh, let's say sky from the floor. It it, it takes the floor and just points up to the sky okay. and as well um, it has all this mythology behind from like the, the great uh, antler who was fought by Cipariso and then he died and then Cipariso was turned into this huge cypress between the, the, the great antlers of the deer right. and um, that's where we, we grow um, apart from trying to get more trees through the city in the final stage and all our like labels have this have this uh, deer into it because we are from Benito Juarez, which has the deer park in front of the. Sure. So Benito Juarez is one of the uh, delegacion, or not anymore, one of the micro cities yeah. in Mexico, right? No more delegacion alcalde. Okay. Um, got it. And you're you're a big uh, Cypress drinker, Julian, right? Or Cypress. Yes. 
What's your favorite one? Uh, I like the Saison, the Season IPA. Yeah, um, that's a sweet one, right? Yeah. You're, you're, you have a lot of sweet beers and a lot of unique things that aren't brewed with the traditional style. Can you tell us more about that? Yeah, we've made more, uh, we've, we've focused on two types of beer. The one that, that has more, that have more high alcohol, let's say, alcohol by volume, starting like about that. 6%, 7%, 8% until 10. You're a two beer and you're not in the clear, right? Yeah, you so. have to enjoy beer, not just drink it at all. Right? <laughs> and then just drink another just one. Just get drunk with it, right? It's drunk as fast as possible. <laughs> and hey, Agustin too, um, and also Gustavo, I'd like to hear you guys' thoughts on this because now we're seeing a few more artisanal beers in supermarkets, in some OXOs even. Um, I'm wondering what kind of frontiers, I don't think that's the ambition of every beer brewer i mean you do it like you said as a craft as something that you want to constantly work on um what are the frontiers in the artisanal beer industry i mean are you guys interested in getting into festivals or into sporting events or where when does it get too far and when do you still keep it we're not real? far far away from having uh, a craft impact in mexico i think so the first thing of all, it's that it, it's a market that's it's, it's really new. Like, well, Cosaco and Gustavo and everything just started was just behind the zero, let's say. Yeah, like maybe we have more Christ. breweries <laughs> selling to the same people, right? Yeah. Maybe. I mean, yeah. I, mean it has, it, I mean, yeah, the market hasn't like exploded absolutely like uh, in the U.S. or maybe in the northern part of Mexico, in, in Ensenada or Tijuana or whatever. We're, but, we're, yeah, we're headed yeah, to it's expanding. But I don't think there are any limits uh, of anything. I mean, obviously, to sell to a Seven Eleven, as Circles yeah. does, you have to have equipment. Yeah, you right. have to have low uh, prices. Low prices. Uh, I mean, you have to be very efficient with costs. Right. So that's yeah. a barrier too, and right? You, you, beer is cheaper than water in Mexico, and so if your production is so high that it's double or sometimes even triple the cost yeah. of uh, one of the national brands, like one of the big breweries. Is that a the, limit? The thing is that the, the big breweries uh, are ahead of us like for about 80 years. So they can do really cheap beer. Uh, not necessarily bad. I'm not saying that it's good, although. Oh, um, it's good. But it's, it's beer. It's okay. I, I drink it. And uh, <laughs> thanks to them, Mexico is the fourth worldwide producer of beer. So we wow. uh, we have uh, doors open as well throughout the world to do now the craft really good Mexican beers, and um, yeah, that's a huge thing as well, like in, in a good thing to do. Now, if we have a little bit of high costs because because of having the the best ingredients, all the imported things, all the best grains, all the best best American yeasts, uh, or maybe hops, uh, right away. That'll put put us on a little bit more of a high price, and then you have to pay some taxes and then distribution, and then as well understand that uh, after the beer comes all the team that's behind selling a beer. Yeah, that's yeah. when you guys come in. Of course, it's it's definitely more expensive. That seems like that's sometimes a barrier for people where they want to still pay two dollars, you know, or for forty pesos or forty five mm -hmm. pesos for a beer and. It's, not. it's kind of hard. Yeah, for example, uh, to bring a, a craft beer into a stadium, like into a baseball stadium, or a, foot, a football soccer stadium. Right. That's that's not close. I'm not not that, that doesn't seem that close. In, I mean, yeah, like like, like uh, for example, like... San Arnold selling uh, their beer in, in, into the Houston Minute Maid Park. Yeah. Because that's the local San Arnold's brewery. And it's that, that 
And yeah, it's, produce yeah it's, just, it's the second largest in Texas. Yeah, yeah they yeah. can do it. Yeah, so nowadays you could have one beer at the, uh, the, the Diablo Rojos, but it would be almost like, I don't know, maybe 300 pesos or 400 pesos a beer. And uh-huh. You won't pay that for that. So, so I think, uh, maybe uh, listen, we're, we're going to need to wrap it up, but uh, <laughs> our listeners are probably thinking one question. What is your favorite beer that's not your beer? Well, we made a beer together like two months ago, <laughs> which which is a bread sazon. We've been, been learning a, long, uh, a lot from Gustavo because he has a lot of experience on that. You guys have a, have a joint beer. Yeah, yeah. but it's uh, bread. So it's another... Bacteria. 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 It's top bacteria. You cannot control it. You cannot be a master brewer because uh, you cannot control that type of beer. So wow. So if that yeast goes into your your equipment, let's say, you cannot turn back to the normal beers. Is this beer on sale? What is it called? (laughs) It's like Venom. Is it on sale? Do you have a name? We don't don't have a name name yet. So tell me, what is your favorite beer beer that's not either one of your beers, an artisanal beer in Mexico? Local or worldwide? Local. Local. You guys, I just gave you more time to think about that. Julian? My favorite beer that's not one of theirs? Yeah. Uh, I do like the IPA by Baracuda that we sell here. I'm a bit of an IPA guy. Great story. Um, Great. Yeah, I don't, I don't even know. I just know he's a cool dude. Great. All okay. right. How about you guys? Do you have a beer? Do you have one? Do I have a beer? You know, I'm, I, I, I should say this. Bud Light. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Not so much of a beer drinker. Um, you know, Cosaco Roja is, is definitely one of my favorites, but that's against my rules of saying, you know, one of these guys, but... I'm not really that much of a beer drinker. I, I like my vodka soda, so <laughs> or my yeah, whiskey. Yeah. No, Irreverente does a very good job as well yeah. in some of, of their creations. And uh, there are some like Nomad as well. Danny works yes. so tough to make beer, and, and he's 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 one. You know, he yeah. he's only one guy doing his own beer, and it's a it's a great story to tell about him. Really great people, right? Yeah, that you've met people. over time. Yeah. Hercules makes great beer. Great beer. I love the, the Tempus Republica. makes great beer. Yeah, Republica. Yeah. Republica from, from Hercules is great. Makes great beer. Yes. So, uh, great. Yeah. Well, thanks guys for uh, for coming out today and sharing this with us. And a big shout out to Gustavo as well, because when we started uh, Pinche Gringo, we really had three beers and nothing else. We had Cosaco uh, Huera. Roja y Negra. And that was it. We didn't have any kind of Modelo. We had Bud Light and Budweiser. That was it. And we started for at least six months. And I remember we used to buy, what, 30, 35 kegs of beer in one week. And so Gustavo has been with us right at the beginning as Pinche Gringo started kind of... I guess we were one of the first, right, that had such a large selection of artisanal beer in in 2014, 2013 when we opened. So... It's great having you, and of course, uh, we sell uh, Cypress uh, and and Kosako at, at Pinche Gringo at both locations. And, and the bar uh, here too. There's uh, absolutely Cypress options. Yeah. All right. So um, um, also, I know that we have a really special event coming up next weekend uh, in Mexico City with the Expo Cerveza, uh, yeah, Cerveza Mexico. Um, will we be able to find you guys there? For sure. Okay. With a lot of specialties, yeah. yeah, including that collaboration. That You're bring that. All right. No name. For that. <laughs> oh, yeah. You get to try your special beer, huh? Yeah. Oh, that's great. So we'll definitely. I know Julian will be there. Uh, I'll be there at, every, at, every day. As soon as uh, as soon as it opens. <laughs> as soon as work's done no. on Friday. <laughs> <laughs> so check out the Cerveza Mexico next weekend. Uh, where is it? In Pepsi Center, right uh, at the World Trade Center. The World Trade Center. Yeah. Okay, and uh, thanks guks for coming. We really appreciate it. Thanks, thanks a lot for the yeah, invitation. Thanks, guys. Yeah, thanks,
Man, that's so great. I love those guys. As I said, Class I, I love both of them and I'm very proud that uh, we have over 30 artisanal beers at the Gringo uh, to try from different brewers. And as they mentioned, the brew culture is just really cool. The, the guys are and girls. Madrina is run by a woman. Um, are really smart and they work really hard. And, and they're cooperative. It's not easy. It's, it's amazing, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, coming up, to, speaking of beer, this weekend there is Oktoberfest. Uh, it's the official Oktoberfest party of Mexico City. It's going to be held in Camp Campo Marte. And it's going to be pretty large because I think that we are producing over 1,000 turkey legs smoked for seven hours in our grills. And uh, that's a lot because there's going to be a lot of vendors there. So I think it's going to be super packed, a lot of beer, super fun. So if you're around Mexico City this weekend and you're like, oh, I don't have anything to do. Well, come to Oktoberfest and check it out. And then on Saturday, you can go to Oktoberfest. You can get really drunk, which is, I think, what you do in Oktoberfest, right? Normally, you get drunk. You celebrate and- October. Yeah, but the funny also thing is that in uh, in Germany, they celebrate Oktoberfest in September. Fun fact. Yes. So, I guess we'll celebrate it here in October. Really funny. And then you're going to get really drunk and then have the place to go at night, Julian? Yes, you're going to come to stand-up comedy nights. Uh, basically, it's the Pepsi, step, uh, Pepsi stand-up comedy nights, my apologies. Hosted by myself, Julian Vawa, and opener... Dan DeFossey and the headliner Nathan McIntosh Canadian from Halifax that will be in town this is going to be the last uh, edition of our Pepsi stand-up comedy night so your last chance to have some real good comedians who are coming into town coming through the Pinche Bar stage so uh, you can come out here if you're going to be too drunk from Oktoberfest though you might want to just don't don't be loud don't be and too if you rowdy. don't think we're funny if you think we're stupid don't come either because yeah. you won't laugh at us on stage and yeah. I hate people just staring at me I'm like 50-50 like, uh, if I'm going to come or not yeah, it's, yeah. Not, it's not good when we don't have a good crowd. How much are tickets again? Uh, tickets are two ninety five if you buy them online or three fifty at the door. Okay, so yeah, it's the 9 PM early bird on Saturday does night. catch the worm. Yes. Yeah, I always say in Mexico, the early bird is the idiot that stands at every, and stares at everybody and has to uh, help the host set up the party because <laughs> he's true. the only one there, right? But yeah. here, early bird, there's a benefit to that. There is. Great. Well, thanks for listening to this week's Pinche Podcast. Uh, my name is Dan DeFossi. And I'm Julian, a.k.a. at Snappy Jewels on Instagram. Yep, at Pinche Gringo Dan. If you want to follow me and see what I'm having for dinner every night. Check out our lives. Wouldn't recommend that. But uh, hey, Rob, how you doing? <laughs> awesome. Well, thanks Keep all for coming up. tonight. And uh, see us next week. Make your